This message was recorded at North 2011, an event organised by Christ Central, part of New Frontiers. You can find out more about Christ Central by visiting our website, ChristCentralChurches.org. Thank you so very much, Steve. I just want to say, first of all, wasn't it wonderful to see a whole family up here? I think I'm so impressed with uh, our children and our young people. If you're a young person here tonight, if you're kind of, uh, well, I was going to say at school, but school's kind of over at the moment, isn't it? But if you're at school, why don't you give me a real shout? Right, there's a, thank you. There's a few of you, there's a few of you in here. One of the passions, one of the passions of this team and our heart as a team is to make sure that you are really well served. Now, tonight I'm going to be primarily talking to adults, but children, you can get caught up in this as well. Wasn't it wonderful to see Joshua and Hannah up here as part of that church plant? It also blessed me to see uh, um, there was a child down here just with his guitar. Did you see that little child? It wasn't Matt. It was actually a, a child with a little guitar. And I can, I, little, just a little tiny one with a guitar. Are you still in here? No, you've gone to bed probably, but you were there with a little guitar. And I can remember at Hastings, the, that happened. I used to be the worship leader of Hastings. You know it was bad when I led the worship, but it was better than before when we had a squeaky violin and a plonky piano. And I came along as a young man at 16 years old, and they started to get me to lead the worship, which is okay, until we really did find someone who could lead the worship. And that was Rob Morpeth, who's sitting in the uh, congregation here tonight. But there was a very young boy who used to bring his guitar to the front every time I led worship, and he would practice along and play along like this. That young man is now Simon Brading. And uh, (laughs) so I want to encourage you, guys, kids, You never know what God might do with you at a camp like this. When I was eight years old, in a setting like this, in a tent in my village in Hastings, I gave my life to Jesus. Kids, listen to me right now. You might not hear anything else I say tonight. It might be mainly for your mum and dad. But for you, in a tent, in a field in North Yorkshire, you can encounter Jesus. I met Jesus at eight years old. He was real. He was living. I gave my life to him. And at that point, the whole of my destiny changed. Later on, I got filled with his Holy Spirit. And he spoke to me about leadership. He spoke to me about all sorts of things. He can speak to you this weekend about all sorts of things. Leadership, nations, areas to serve him. You can meet Jesus. This weekend. So I want to just get behind what Steve was saying about our young people. I'm going to pray and ask God to be with us. It's always difficult, isn't it, on this kind of first night? It's difficult to kind of gauge how we do things. We want to be warm and welcoming. And by the way, I'm told that the rain is over. Praise the Lord. There may be a few odd showers, but we're not worried about that. We're, hot. we're in the north here. There's something, I love the northerners. There's something about northerners that are quite actually okay with a bit of tough weather and a bit of a sense of, you know, we're okay. We're camping here, especially all those of you who are in bed and breakfast and hotels. You're all here with a smile on your face, aren't you? You're rotters. <laughs> Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the fun the family, the fellowship that we're having. We thank you for everything you're doing here in the north. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing with John and Catherine and Joshua and Hannah. I thank you for that 
beginnings of a plant of a church in Lillstrom, Oslo, that not only has vision for its locality, but vision for its nation, vision for the whole of Scandinavia. I thank you, Lord. I pray, Lord, this weekend, gather us to a vision. Call us, stir us, impart faith and life to us, Lord. I pray, propel us out from here to nations. That we called this event from the north to the nations. You spoke that phrase over us. Let it not be a slogan. Let it be a genuine sense of the Spirit imparting us forward in the name of Jesus. Amen. I don't know where many of you are together on a mission, but at the end of Together on a Mission, there was a very exciting session where Terry sat up on a bar stool. It's the first time I've ever seen Terry. Well, actually, it's not the first time I've seen Terry on a bar stool. <laughs> but it's kind of the first time I've seen him preach from a bar stool. And as those of us on the front row were just a little concerned, because a couple of times he wobbled a bit and we thought, is he going to be all right? But it was like a fireside chat with Terry, wasn't it? Those of you heard that. If you haven't heard the download, if you haven't already got that onto your mp3 then listen to that because terry tells the story of new frontiers and what is important to him what are the distinctives of new frontiers as we move forward and i felt god speak to me and we felt god speak to us as a north team that as we move forward from here we should speak about what our distinctives are And we felt there was a baton being passed even at the end of Together on a Mission. As that conference closed, we felt we're picking something up of the Spirit of God and a commission from Him to be very clear what our distinctives are. You see, in a time of transition, in a time of change, in a time where there's momentum, it's not a time for leaders to be quiet. It's not a time for leaders to say, well, we'll just wait on God. We'll just see what he's doing. No, it's a time for leaders to be listening to him and pressing in in action. It's a time for leaders to be saying, this is what the Lord has said to us. Not, I've got a few ideas, but this is what the Lord has said to us. This is what God has been saying. And we gathered as a team, and you'll be thrilled to know that we came up with 25 distinctives. (laughs) We have long team meetings sometimes. So... We boiled it down. In fact, I I felt God really helped me to boil it down to four, you'll be pleased to know, four major distinctives of the North. Now, these overlap totally with who we are as a family of churches. They are not different distinctives, but they are our distinctives. And we are carrying, we're the inheritors of some great promises from God in New Frontiers, and we're the inheritors of those here in the North and from the north to the nation. So it's really important in this time that we talk about where we've come from, we talk about where we're going, we talk about who we are, and we talk about what God has called us to do. So tonight, I really only want to take the next half an hour. We should be over just after nine fatal mistakes. Sorry, I repent already. We should be finished around that sort of time, a little bit early tonight, so you can go back to your tents. The four distinctives. The first one is this, that we felt God speak to us. Who are we? Well, we're friends. Enjoying God together. That's who we are. That's what my team is. That's who we are together. I want to say that these men who serve with me, and we serve together, Roger, 
who's been weighing the prophecies tonight. If you're wondering, in a setting like this, you know, we want to hear from the Lord. We want to hear his spirit. We want to hear him speak to us. But 2,000 people, we're probably two and a half if you count every child on site, every one of us can't bring something from his spirit. But any one of us could. So we need to weigh that. And Roger's been weighing those prophecies. Roger's been bringing things. Roger's been helping direct. And Roger is such a great friend. Steve, who introduced the meeting, who introduced myself, who introduced the uh, guys from Norway. Steve has become a great friend. We're friends together. Tony, what can I say about Tony? Tony brightens up every room that he comes in. You can't help but laugh. You can't help but have fun when Tony's around. And it's just been amazing for us as we've grown together. We've been working together probably for about 10 years now. Steve, Roger, Tony, myself. Just recently, we've added into that mix Matt Hatch. Now, Matt's not here this weekend. You'll see him uh, later on a video, not, not today, but another time. Matt's on sabbatical. But Matt Hatch from Leeds Mosaic, very much part of our team now. More recently, Graham has added his unique flavor of an implementer. Paul Mulford said to me this, Jeremy, your team is so full of air. It's so, vision, sorry, that's right. So full of vision. It's so full of good ideas. You've got no one to work them out. And you need an implementer, someone to help you give shape and structure and work it through. So Graham has joined our team. But we are friends together. We have such a laugh. We, we, there are times... When, as a team, we are crying with laughter with some of the things that one another thinks people say to each other. I can't repeat some of them here because there are children around and some of them are a bit cheeky. They're cheeky monkeys, these guys I'm working with, but we are friends together sharpening one another. We, we had a lot of debate about this because the Bible talks about many different phrases. Paul, Rightly so, talks about God's fellow workers. We're God's co-laborers. We're partnershiping with God. We're, we're together in this with God. So that was a phrase we looked at, felt that was a really helpful phrase. Another one is family. We are a family of churches together. We're very pleased, very, very proud to say we're a family of churches together on a mission but we felt actually God speak to us that the word that we should identify ourselves with is friends together. See, Jesus is very pleased to call us family. It says in the right of Hebrews, he's pleased to be called or to call us brothers. Jesus is delighted with that. Jesus is also delighted to call us partners, to call us into partnership together. But actually what Jesus said to his disciples in John 15, he said this, I don't call you servants anymore. I'm not calling you servants. I call you friends. Everything I learn from my father, I'm going to make known to you. Friends implies a choice. You don't necessarily choose your family, but you certainly choose your friends. And we've chosen to be together. There's a sense as a team, God's called us to work. He's called us to integrate together. He's called us to be friends together. But not just for friendship's sake, but to enjoy God together. So it's important that we put the whole phrase together. We are friends enjoying God together. So we're not just friends. We're not just having a party. We're not just having a good time. Although you'd think for the time... 
we meet and the bottles of wine that are consumed and the fun and the laughter, you'd think, boy, these are friends together. These guys know how to have a good time. But actually, first and foremost, we're friends who enjoy God together. It's not the mission first. I love what our friend PJ calls his church. It's God first. Our relationships are primarily in the Spirit. They're primarily in who God has called us to be together with him. We're friends enjoying God together. And actually that inspires us first. It's not just about the mission. It's not just about going. We're actually enjoying God together first. And some people just want to go. They want to get caught up on the mission. They want to get caught, but they miss the relationship that he's called us into with one another and with him. We're first called to him. We're first called to minister to him. We're first called to love him. We're first called to enjoy him. I love the way John Piper changes and tweaks the Westminster Catechism that some of us are quite familiar with. If you've been to any worship conference, I guarantee it will be the Westminster Catechism that will be quoted to you that was this. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. But John Piper twists it very helpfully and says this. The chief end of man is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. We're called to enjoy God. We're called to enjoy friendship with him, relationship with him. It's why here in this camp we give loads of time for the presence of God, loads of time for Jesus to walk amongst us, loads of time for us to meet with Jesus. We're friends enjoying God together. Jesus said this, John 15, verse 11, I've told you this so that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be complete. We love the joy of the Lord. We love the fellowship that we have with Jesus and we love enjoying that together. We really are friends enjoying God together. And therefore, I believe that we're going to fulfill one of the family promises. And one of the family promises is this, that we can do more together than we can on our own. My very good friend, John Groves, who was uh, my best man. I had the privilege of being discipled by John, had the privilege of working with John. He was the one who convinced me of the biblical necessity to be baptized in water. He was the person who convinced me of the biblical necessity to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He has become here married and become such great friends of ours. And John prophesied over us as a movement. He prophesied many years ago about a herd of elephants running into jungle, virgin territory, smashing through undergrowth. And the phrase came, there are no well-worn paths ahead, but together you can accomplish more than you could alone. We can accomplish much because we're friends together. We can accomplish much together. We can be the inheritors of this promise because we are friends enjoying God together. We can put an event on like this. We can catch people up on apostolic vision. We can go to nation after nation after nation because this is not one man's desire. This is not one man's initiation. This is a group of men working together, friends, enjoying God together. The second thing that we felt God speak to us, in fact, we asked God, what, what is it then? If that's who we are, if we are friends 
enjoying God together, what are we called to do? What is distinctive about our friendship and our enjoyment of the Lord? What's he called us to do? Well, first and foremost, we felt this. He's called us to build churches empowered by the word and spirit. You see, another one of our family promises, you'll hear me talk a lot about family promises tonight, because I believe there's a huge inheritance that we've received from brothers and sisters who've run before us, who've pressed into God, who've heard God, who he's given amazing promises to, and we're the inheritors of those promises. They've been passed down from generation to generation. They're in our hands now, and we're running with them, and we want to pass them on to another generation. Hence, we want to give loads of room for children and kids in a setting like this. And one of the family promises, I can remember the day that John Peepy, who is not a big man, and in the understated way, just like John Cardinal Effiano said, there's a sense in some of these Africans are very bold and loud, aren't they? Because there's two different types of Africans I've met. Some are very bold and very loud and very big, and others are quite demure and quite graceful. And John Cardinal's a bit like that, isn't he? Very, very quietly spoken. Very... And I can remember John Peepy on the stonely stage in his quiet, understated way saying, dare to believe me for a thousand churches in the UK. Everything went off in my heart, didn't it, for you? Those of you who remember that? God has called us to plant at least a thousand churches in the UK. At least a thousand. Now, if you have a look at a map, get a map out later. Look how big the north is. I mean, it includes most of the Midlands, apparently. <laughs> certainly Wales. Certainly Northern Ireland. Certainly Scotland. <laughs> increasingly Canada. <laughs> <laughs> And certainly now into Scandinavia. If you look at the map of what God's given you, but if you just look seriously at the UK, you just look at the nations, the four nations of the United Kingdom, you look at what a massive area. We probably make up half the geographic area of the United Kingdom. Therefore, God has called us to plant hundreds of churches. That's what he's called us. We're the inheritance. We're not making this stuff up. We're not sitting around a table saying, what will inspire them at North? I know. To make up one about... No, we're, we're the inheritors of great promises, prophetic words that God has given to us. And they are yours, North. They're yours, your promises. God has given to us as a movement that we will plant hundreds of churches, play our part in thousands of churches. Last weekend, I had the privilege of being with Guy and Heather in their great West Point event and down there in the south and west and seeing their expansion plans and seeing church after church being planted and then hearing Guy talk about the nations, which actually he'll talk about on this stage tomorrow night. We want to play our part on our watch. It's our day, North. God's come to us. It's, we're, you, we're not waiting for another generation. We're not waiting. It's our. We're alive today, now. And in our hands, he's put these great and mighty promises to plant a thousand churches. But another one of our promises is this, that we would change the expression of Christianity across the world. Now, we tend to think of that as Africa, China, India, the Americas, wonderful. But actually, the expression of Christianity needs to be changed in Scotland. 
the expression of Christianity needs to be changed in Northern Ireland. Tell me about it. The expression of Christianity needs to be changed in Wales. And boy, does it need it in England. It's not just any old churches we're called to plant. It's churches of word and spirit. And what if you want to get up my nose, if you really want to infuriate me, then talk about word and spirit as two separate things. That will really get me. Oh, word churches are like this, and spirit churches are like that. I don't find that in the book. I don't find it in the Bible. New Testament apostolic Christianity is a fusion of word and spirit. It is not... It's not either or, it's together, word and spirit. You see, the word isn't just printed dots on a page anyway. The word is living and active and actually is a person, Jesus Christ, the word of God, who dwells in perfect harmony with the spirit in Trinity. And what God has joined together Let no man put asunder. It's word and spirit together. It's ever so important that we found churches that are welcoming of the spirit, that receive the spirit. See, recently I've been just stirred about our meetings, been freshly looking at this and asking asking questions, because some guys have been asking these sort of questions. Should our meetings be congregational? Are they for the congregation? Should they be where lots of body ministry is happening? Is it it just congregational style of meetings we're looking for? Or should our meetings be missional? Should they be for the outsider, for the unbeliever? Now, I've got some sympathy with both arguments. I've got massive sympathy with congregational. I've got massive sympathy when you come together. One has this, one has that. Yeah, okay, I see that. I see that. And then uh, I also have sympathy with this sense of we let's make it understandable intelligible let's make sure the outsider understands it but this is the wrong question we're not called to be congregational or missional we're called to be biblical and biblical christianity is a fusion of word and spirit together when we come together yes there will be spirit moving the holy spirit will come one will bring a tongue One will bring an interpretation. One will bring a word of knowledge. One will bring this. One will bring that. And one will bring the word of God in power and authority. They're fused together in these things. And we must be those who are moved and welcoming of the Spirit. One of the marks I'm praying for this weekend is that God would really help move us in the Spirit more and more. It's wonderful to have our friends Dave. David and Rosie Fellingham and Jules Burt with us because we recently were at a conference called Borderlands. Three of you were there. It's our push into Wales. And we gathered five, six hundred, I guess, in uh, in Wales to push into church planting. And there was a real move of the Spirit together as David prophesied and as Jules led worship. And we, I just felt they've got something to add into the mix of what we're doing here. Because we really want to keep stirring word and spirit together. Now, I'm going to say this very clearly. We are a movement based 
on the word of God. We're not based on fads. We're not based on the latest paperback. We're not based on the latest idea. That I've seen, I've, I've been a Christian for a long time now. Some, well, I've been a Christian for 40 years this year. And I've noticed there's things come and things go. Things breeze in, things breeze out. But what remains solid is got to be the word of God. It's got to be the foundation for how we build churches. It's got to be the rock on which we build truth, apostolic doctrine where in this day of shifting sands and in this day of new atheism in this day of new morality and in this day of well I think it's like this and you think it's like that and you've probably got a good point and you no we say unswervingly we're building churches of word and spirit we're building on a foundation which is ancient and stable and trustworthy and true it's a foundation of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit working together. It's truth that we're building on. And we're not going to be swerved. We're not going to go to the left or to the right. We're going to keep on building the Word of God. You see, we don't come, I know many people who come and they started to judge the Word. Well, we'll have that bit. We like, that's very relevant for today. Jesus is the way. Oh, the journey, I like a journey. Journey is very modern and trendy and spiritual. But I don't like that bit. No, we're going to receive the whole counsel of God. You see, we don't come to judge the Word, brothers and sisters. The Word comes to judge us. The Word comes to change us. We don't align the Bible with us. We align ourselves with the Bible. This is what it says in Hebrews. The Word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. And it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Brothers and sisters, we're called to build churches of word and spirit. Thirdly, we're called to advance the kingdom and transform the world. See, I have a friend who talks about, oh, so-and-so, he's a kingdom man. So-and-so, he's a church man. And again, that really annoys me because I don't see a difference between kingdom and church in as much that I don't see a difference between word and spirit. I think the church is a vehicle for the kingdom. The kingdom comes through the church. It doesn't come separate from the church. Jesus said, I will build my church. And through the church, the church is going to shine out to a society light. It's going to be salt. It's going to change society. And we're called to be those who transform the world. We're called to be those who change things around us by building glorious local churches that shine out and demonstrate the kingdom of God. Jesus preached, I think it was mentioned 82 times in the New Testament, the kingdom of God, the rule of God, the reign of God. It's our calling, brothers and sisters, to be those who proclaim the kingdom of God through the church. Ephesians 3, verse 10. His intent is now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. God's called us to invade secular space, as Martin Robinson said in his book. We're called to be those who don't have our ghettos, We don't call people to our secret meetings, but actually we invade the world. We're called to be churches that shine on a hill. 
We're called to be churches that do have salt and light, that penetrate everything, every area of society. Wherever God has called you, your family, your street, your place of employment, the place where you play and have sport and have recreation and have fun, God has called you to be a witness. He's called you to shine for Christ. He's called you to be a kingdom influencer, not to pull it to yourself, but to shine it out from you to be someone who advances the kingdom. There is no sacred, I can't even say it, sacred and secular divide. It's not, oh, that's, the, that's God's bit. That's, that's, we can't go into that territory. We can't go into that area. No, actually, God's called us to go into all the world and preach to all creation the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the message we're going with. We're going with the message of reconciliation, the message of love, the message of grace, the message of the cross, the message of repentance. We're going with that, but we are called to be kingdom advancers. And what thrills me in our churches now is we're starting to equip people to be kingdom representatives, to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ in the workplace in the school, in the factory, down your street, in your home. You're called to be a representation of Christ. And as a team, we want to keep equipping you. We want to keep stirring you. We want to keep provoking you that you are to be one who changes the world. And we are to be a people who do that because it's not called to be it on our own. We're called to be it together. A few years ago, we preached on this stage about Joseph. You remember how he was inspired by the Spirit, how sovereignly he was worked on by God, but how then he emerged onto the world stage to change the world. And brothers and sisters in the north, I believe God has called us to be a Joseph people, a people who have been birthed in the Spirit, a people who God has worked on sovereignly, quite often in secret, quite often in private, but we are called to burst onto the world stage bringing grain, bringing bread from heaven, bringing blessing, particularly to the poor and the needy. See, Joseph was in a time of famine, a time of poverty, a time of difficulty. And if our nation is anything at the moment, it's in a state of sickness. Politicians can answer that. Politicians have said we've moved from broken Britain to sick Britain. We've moved from a place where we're now sick as a nation. Have we got any answers? No. Have we got any answers? Yes. We've got a message of the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of Jesus Christ, particularly to the needy, particularly to the poor, particularly to the oppressed, particularly to the downtrodden, particularly to the broken. My friends Pete and Sue Linden are working with Martin Charlesworth to work together in New Frontiers to try and look at some best practices in our works amongst the poor and the needy and to look together how we can federate things together, how we can perhaps sometimes act with one voice, how sometimes we can speak into Parliament and say we represent thousands of Christians, we represent tens of thousands of Christians. And one of the remarkable things they found when they did their survey was this. In the average New Frontiers church, now there are, on average, six works amongst the poor and needy per church. That's remarkable. 
Because a decade ago, when Simon Petter in 1998 thundered out across the platform at Together on a Mission at Brighton, remember the poor. Remember Simon, how he thundered that out. We looked around and there were hardly any churches doing this. Now, not only is every church doing it, most are doing six. That's remarkable what it represents in terms of kingdom advance among us. And I want to encourage you and say, well done. Keep pressing ahead with kingdom influencing. Kingdom advancing the kingdom, transforming the world. Lastly, we're called to reach nations and make disciples. One of the things that God's particularly said to us, we've talked about our family promises. I'm going to talk a little bit in this session as we close in the last 10 minutes. I'm going to talk about our promises, what God's given to us. And one of the things that God has said to us is this phrase, from the north to the nations. That God's called us here in the north to be those who don't stay in the north. You see, we define ourselves sometimes by our geography. We are from the north. We are the north. And that's okay to define ourselves sometimes like that, to be aware of our northern roots, to be aware of the beautiful areas that God has placed in us, the magnificent cities, the incredible towns, the wonderful villages, the rich cultural inheritance that God has given us in the north. But we are not to stay in the north. And we are not to be static in the north. And we are not to define ourselves just by being north. Because God has called us to go to the nations. See, that's always been God's heart. It's always been God's desire to fill the whole earth with his glory. Not just a part of the Middle East. Not just one little area. It was always God's intention right from the garden to fill the whole earth with his glory. And the story of redemption is the story of God keep coming to his people and keep saying, now, go and fill this land. Now go and fill this area. Now go and touch this. And God's presence going with them. We are primarily a people of the presence. We're a people who are bringing his presence everywhere. There's a prophetic ring that goes through scripture time and time and time again. It's this. As surely as I live, all the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. One of the most remarkable times that comes is at Kadesh Barnea when the people of God have failed to get into the promised land under Moses. They failed. And you might think God says, well, you know, win some, lose some. <laughs> a bit of a tough one, that. You know, never mind. We'll try again. It'll be better in 40 years' time. Don't worry. 40 years' time, you'll be all right. No, at that very point, God says, as truly as I live, as surely as I live, all the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And that's what the church was birthed into. It was the coming of the very presence of God in the person of Jesus Christ. He came and dwelt and tabernacled amongst them, John says, bringing the glory, bringing the presence of God. And as he was crucified for our salvation, as he was raised to life for redemption, 
as he's now ascended to the Father's right hand, he pours out his spirit on his church and says, go now, fill the whole earth, be a mobile tabernacle, be a Christ bearer, be one who brings the presence of God to everywhere across planet earth. That's what motivates us, that's what stirs us, that's what the passion of our heart is, that we might not just stay in one part of the north, that actually all the earth might be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. One day, brothers and sisters, it's going to happen. One day, when Jesus returns, we're caught up to meet him. And then there's a new heaven and a new earth. Actually, it says, all the earth will be filled. There won't need to be a temple anymore because the glory and the light of the Lamb will bring light. And the, temp- the whole earth will be the temple of the Lord. But we're called right here, right now, on planet earth to go to the nations to advance that cause to bring in the kingdom of God to be visible demonstrations of God's glory that's why we go to the nations it's not so we can have bigger churches it's not so we can have some empire it's not so we can have we've got a lot of churches now we're even reaching the nations don't we're multinational we're global global are we that's not, it's so that more glory might go to him. It's so that more honour might go to him. It's so that there is not a square foot of planet Earth where Jesus' name is not mentioned. I love what John Piper says. We quote it so often. It's not one of our family values, but we kind of claim it as one of our promises. He says this, mission exists because worship doesn't. In other words, the aim of mission is to produce a multitude of worshippers to Jesus. That we might produce, that we might see a wonderful harvest of Christ-loving people across the face of the earth. As I said, not just geographic. We honour our northern roots, but from the north to the nations. Do you remember that other famous prophecy? Do you remember the bow, the bow and arrow? Do you remember the bow and arrow superimposed across the sort of southern part of the UK, even down as far as the south and west, <laughs> but pulled back into the heart of the nation, pulled back right up into north, pulled right, I think that's how it came, pulled right, pull, <coughs> pulled right back. Why? So that we, we've got a tense bow, you know. Our bow's really tense. Really good to have a tense bow. No, not because we've got a tense bow so that arrows might be fired to the ends of the earth, that the ends of the earth might see the glory of the Lord, that God might execute his glory through the church, through us, that we might see nations affected. Terry had a word for us many years ago in a younger leaders meeting. That's when I could be called a younger leader. And he said this, it's kind of the reverse of that, but he said, I see you being, I see you like an arrow being fired from the south to the north, and I see you like a young shoot, young arrow, and I see you landing in the north, and it's like as you hit the north, there's this reverberation, this little arrow goes into the ground. And he said, then I saw this arrow grow, at this point I was slightly concerned to the man that I've honoured, who's a holder of Reformed theology and solid truth and he said he then used the fertility symbol of pagans he said I see you growing into a maypole I'm going 
strange. He said, I see this maypole, probably doesn't know what a maypole is, but he sees, I see this growing into a maypole, and I see actually others then attaching their coloured ribbons to you, and I see a sphere growing. This is 10, 15 years ago. I see a sphere growing. It's like this great multicoloured, and they're just joining ribbons, and ribbons are coming, and, they jo- and then they start the dance. They start, I think, I don't like Morris dancing, you know. I'm English, but not that English. Um, and, and he said, I see them weaving. And I see this wonderful, if you've ever seen this done, I see this wonderful tapestry of colours going out. And I see it going from the north, touching Canada and touching Scandinavia. Now, that was amazing, because that was before we had any heart or any desire or any interest particularly in even going anywhere other than Teesside. <laughs> We just landed. We were a little arrow in the ground. But God had plans. God had purposes. They're not our very first North gathering. As we gathered, as Steve said, 450 people in a field not far from here, seven churches. We thought this is amazing. Seven churches working together, 450 people. Wow. But never been in a meeting as big as that. 450. That's what kind of some of us felt. Nadine Weedle. I don't know if Nadine's in here tonight, but uh, Matt's wife, Nadine, Matt, who led worship, she said this, I see others coming and flanking you, others coming and joining you. She knew nothing of Terry's word of others coming and attaching their coloured ribbon. I see other little tiny groups of churches coming and attaching to you. And since that's happened, that has been prophetically fulfilled as we've been flanked by churches from Cumbria, as we've been flanked by churches from Scotland, as we've been flanked by churches from the Midlands and from the North West, and actually even now as we get flanked by churches from Wales and the borderlands, God is building something, and God has prophesied this. God has prepared our hearts for this. This is not our idea. We're not trying to work this out. We're not trying to say, oh, wouldn't it be nice to have a, oh, it would be lovely to have a sphere. No, God, God is working it together. God is building it together. Let me finish by this. As I left Eastbourne, I've been an elder in the church there for some seven years, given all my life savings to the building program. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> what a joy it was to do that, seriously. I've done that twice, by the way. <laughs> Hastings, Eastbourne. That's why, guys, if you're in Teesside, we never had a building. <laughs> no, it's not true. As I was leaving, as I was leaving the building, I don't know if I've told many people this, but as I was leaving the building, almost for the last time, there's a guy that I'd never known. He was a friend of a friend. He never met me. I never met him. I'll tell you what he does for a living. This is a good job if you can get it. He's the director of YWAM, okay, fairly impressive, based in Hawaii. I mean, you know, that's okay. <clears throat> anyway, he said to me, he said, he just pointed me out in the corridor. I hadn't even met him. He didn't know me from Adam. He said, the Lord says to you, promotion. I go, yeah, okay. He says, the Lord says to you, apostolic over six. And it's one of those words that resonated with you. And I thought, what the heck does that mean? Apostolic over six. I mean, is that six years of age? Is that, what does that mean? Apostolic over six. And at that point, no one had ever used the word apostolic over my life at all. Actually, a little later, I had three or four remarkable words. And God woke me up in the night and spoke to me. But that's another whole story. When I came to Teesside, I was told we're six towns that make up Teesside. And I thought for about two or three years, wow, I'm apostolic over six. 
this is amazing. There are six, there are six towns that make two side up. There's six little conurbations that come together. And then Andy Merrick, my good friend, moved to Scotland and asked me, would I look after the North churches? At which point, that apart from Jubilee, there were six other churches. Oh, apostolic over six. Thought, That's amazing. A few years ago, I counted that we were six teams working together. I thought, oh, apostolic over six. That's interesting, six teams. Just recently, I actually noted that we're in six nations. Right now, we're in six nations. I thought, oh, apostolic over six. Three weeks ago, just after the Brighton Conference, I felt God really speak to me and asked me to look through Genesis. I started to look through and found that actually it was God who made the land masses. It was God who divided land from sea. It's not a quirk of evolution. God did it. He said, that, that's the land, that's the sea. I, that, I designate that. You see, we designate countries. God designates continents. I did a little Google search. I thought, how many continents are there? There's seven. I thought, oh, blow. <laughs> A little more search and found out that there are what they call six supercontinents and, and, and Antarctica. And in Antarctica, please forgive me if you live in Antarctica. We'd be amazed if you did because there's only a thousand people in the whole continent of Antarctica. There are six major continents. Listen to this and I'll close with this. We are already in three. From this event four years ago, we commissioned... On behalf of Newcastle Church, working with Ian Galloway, we commissioned the church plant into New Zealand. Do you remember that? Exciting, dynamic, stirring. We're in Australasia. We're in that continental area. We've got a tiny, tiny toehold in there. North America. I say that carefully, not the States, but the northern continent of America, we're working into Canada. It's just such a delight for me to see all these Canadians. From Canada's wave. Look at all these guys who've come from Canada. <clears throat> right now we have three churches. We're adopting two and planting two. You'll hear more news of that tomorrow as we share about what's happening out of Chris's church in Oakville. In near Toronto, and what's happening with Reese and Sarah in Vancouver. We're in, we've got a toehold, we've got a tiny little hand grip into the continent of North America. And of course, we're in Europe, if you hadn't noticed. We have, at the moment, 19 plants going on in England, Scotland, Wales. Northern Ireland, and now Norway. Yes, praise the Lord. That's starting to come to fruition now. This spherical thing that God promised, prophesied, touching Canada, touching over into Norway. And then I just looked up, what are the other three continents? Let me just end by this. Asia. I think we haven't got anything in Asia. Well, I can't tell you where, but Newcastle, again, under Ian's uh, leadership, have an interest in a war-torn country in Central Asia that they believe in God that we're going to break into. 
And I believe God will give us advance into Asia. Africa. You'll hear from this platform two two or three meetings time about Martin and Carolyn as they go to Zambia to initially work with a group there, initially helping to build a school, but ultimately seeing churches planted in Africa, in Zambia. Rob Coleman from our Bolton Church is already working with groups of churches in Zambia. God is giving us toeholds into Africa. And lastly, let me just end with this. I was at a meeting a few years ago where Keith Hazel's son, and Keith Hazel is a prophet, works in New Frontiers, prophesied totally out of the blue that God wants to use us in South America. I'm believing God for every continent of the world. Now, I'm believing that for Guy as well. I'm believing that Guy's sphere will affect every continent of the world. I'm believing that for Mike Betts' sphere. I'm believing it for David Devonish's sphere. I'm believing it that as God multiplies apostolic ministry across the United Kingdom, it won't stay in the United Kingdom, but actually will go from nation to nation to nation. And we will fulfill the promise of Jesus, which said this, go into all the nations. Preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, we bring this talk to an end, this first night. We thank you for the great commission that you said, Lord Jesus, to go into all the world. And we thank you for our great commissioning, that we are the inheritors of such great and precious promises. We thank you for biblical promises. We thank you for the promise to Abraham that through him and his seed, singular, you would bless the whole world. Every family, every tribe, every nation, every clan. You promised it, Lord. That's our promise. We are the inheritors of that. And we've got such family promises, Lord. We don't despise the prophetic. We honour it. But neither, Lord, do we take it out, polish it and put it back on the shelf. We believe these promises are swords in our hand and words that you've called and are causing us to advance. And we pray, Lord, that as we are friends, enjoying God together, that as we build and pioneer churches of word and spirit, as we advance the kingdom, transforming the world, Lord, that you would continue to give us nation after nation after nation. You'd help us to make disciples of nations, Lord. You'd help us to reach every people group, not for this sphere, Lord, not for this team, but for our great captain, that all the glory, all the honour and all the praise might go to our wonderful, beautiful, magnificent King Jesus. Jesus, we say we're so in love with you. We're so thrilled. We're so amazed to be caught up in your great mission. We thank you, Lord. This is not New Frontier's mission. This is not North mission. This is the mission of Jesus Christ. This is the mission of the Father. This is the mission of the Spirit. This is God's mission to reach every nation with the gospel. That all the glory and all the power and all the praise might go to him. Let's stand. Let's worship Jesus. Let's honour Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Guys, if you can come up and lead us in one final song, that would be fantastic.